Candy McNeil, a psychotherapist here in Guelph, and this is my radio program, Open Minds. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. This show is dedicated to reducing the stigma around mental illness so that people who struggle don't feel unnecessarily bad about themselves, and so that the people around them don't come to negative conclusions without having all the facts. I wish we lived in a culture where people don't feel any worse about seeing a therapist than they do about seeing the dentist, and that they don't feel any worse about needing help for depression or anxiety than they do about needing help with cancer or MS. In this program, I'll bring you stories from both mental health professionals and everyday people who struggle that I really hope will open your mind around the topic of mental illness. One thing I've learned in my 15 years in this field is that contrary to what we see in the media or hear in only half-told stories, mental illness is actually not a sign of weakness or laziness. It doesn't make someone automatically dangerous or make them stupid, and it isn't a moral failing or a character weakness. In fact, many of my clients have been some of the most hardworking, strong, smart, sensitive, and likable people you'd ever want to meet. They're people I'd enjoy having as a family member, a friend, or a partner. But often they feel judged in a negative way. They feel less than or not good enough because of their mental illness and are very afraid that friends, partners, coworkers, roommates, and family members will think less of them too. I think that in the same way that we don't blame someone who gets leukemia or think less of someone with heart disease, we also shouldn't blame someone who gets bipolar or ADHD or any other mental illness. If we can be compassionate to people who have an illness in their heart or their liver, then it's only reasonable to show compassion to people who have an illness in their brain. I believe that mental illnesses are complex and not well understood even by doctors and researchers. Our best guess, and honestly, right now that's all it is, our best guess is that mental illnesses are the result of a very complex combination of genetic, biochemical, environmental, and interpersonal factors. The same can be said of some kinds of cancers, and when it comes to those, we would never dream of telling someone, or ourselves if we're the sufferer, we would never dream of saying, just get over it, or just snap out of it, or think that they could get better by themselves. If someone is struggling with cancer, we encourage the person to see an oncologist and to take powerful drugs like chemotherapy if it might help, and to take time off work or school to let themselves heal. But when it's depression or an eating disorder or some other mental illness, some people think they should be able to get better on their own without professional help or medication, and that they should be able to do this on top of work or school or relationships. I wonder why the contradiction and what effect does it have for society to give these messages about mental illness? The point of this show is to explore those very issues. By sharing interviews with ex- experts in the field and from people who have mental illnesses, you can hear firsthand what it's like to suffer, sometimes to recover, and to live in our culture when your brain is ill. Whatever your current beliefs are about mental illness, your own or those in the people around you, I hope you'll listen with an open mind. For today's show... I am here today with Karen McGratton, a therapist in Guelph and also the author of a graphic novel. Um, Can you give her an opportunity to talk a little bit about that today? Want to tell us the title and a little bit about the book? Sure. So the title is called Within. Um, The capital or the part that says thin is all in capitals. Um, It takes the reader from pre-eating disorder to post-eating disorder and the journey that kind of lays within. Uh, It's based off of events um, in my life. Um, the highs and the lows and the funny parts, um, just to kind of give a 
the reader kind of a glimpse and family members of what it's like to struggle, but um, also what it's like to um, find hope. What gave you the idea to write it or what inspired you to share your story? Uh, a few, a few, that's a double part question. So, um, for me, my, I grew up with a brother who collected comic books. And so, um, that was always something that he would do throughout his life. And as a by byproduct was a part of my life. Um, and so one day we were just talking, um, with him and his wife and myself and just about, um, my journey and just kind of making the meaning of that and, um, bouncing the idea around of like, it'd be really cool to like do this as a comic. And so, um, we kind of, we did, (laughs) we just did it. So, uh, it's been years in the making. Um, it's such a long and lengthy process, not just the writing part, but the drawing part is very lengthy. Um, but also, um, just in general, one experience that I had in my life, um, was that as a young kid or a teenager, I struggled with OCD, but didn't know it was OCD at the time and, um, thought I was crazy. Uh, the type of OCD that I struggled with was thinking that I was going to kill my family. Um, and so, um, definitely thought that that wasn't mental illness other than being like a psycho that should be locked up. Um, and until I got inpatient treatment, uh, for my eating disorder years later, it wasn't until then that I found out that it was OCD and and in fact that I wasn't crazy and didn't deserve or need to be locked up. It was just, um, a mental illness. And so that was, um, more able to, to be dealt with. Um, and so I just always felt from that point on that it was just better to talk about these issues. And if people had talked about those issues back when I was struggling, maybe I wouldn't have, um, internalized it all. Um, and so just really want to give other people the same opportunity because I'm not the only one that struggles with something. Why do you think that you and the people around you didn't talk about in particular the OCD part when you were growing up? I don't know. I think, um, I grew up in a very fundamental, um, Christian home. And I think, um, it wasn't something, you know, if you had God that, you would be okay and you'd be fine and you wouldn't have mental illness and faith could fix things or um, things like that. And when it came to thinking that you were going to kill people, I mean, it clearly states in the Ten Commandments, like, don't kill, right? So I think um, um, it just wasn't talked about. And the form that I struggled with wasn't, you know, the stereotypical OCD form. You know, I wasn't washing my hands obsessively, like, for hours. It was just um, definitely in my head, for sure. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you might have mistaken mental illness for sin, right? Like that you're thinking that this is just bad or, or evil. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, definitely not something, um, I guess, I don't know. I think it's more easy to look at something as a physical issue. Um, and that's more tolerable or more acceptable, Um, whereas, you know, thinking, you know, even bad thoughts or lusting or whatever, right? Like that is still sin, even if it doesn't, um, have a behavior to it. So, um, definitely, um, was something like I was a good kid, like my behavior was good. And so it felt very condemned by, um, my thoughts. Looking back now, do you think that if you had told anyone that you would have gotten, a helpful response or would it have scared or upset the people around you? Um, I would like to think that I would have got a helpful response, but I 
um, I'm doubtful that that would have happened because I don't think that they were also aware of the different forms of um, OCD or just um, that type of um, mental health issue. Um, I think it would have been something that would have been brought to the church and, and prayed about. And um, I don't think, which is great, but it's also not what I need. I wouldn't have learned any concrete tools to be able to deal with that. I wouldn't have dressed um, the issue and then the underlying issues with it. Following that scenario, if it had been brought out, do you think you would have felt um, okay being identified that way? Or would that have felt shameful to you? Or like like it said something about you? I think at the time, I, I think my idea of it now differs. But I think being a teenager and, you know, by being diagnosed with like a mental health issue or... Um, um, is something that I probably would have felt bad about. Um, now, however, that's not how I view it at all. Um, I, I've also had lots of time to be okay with learning about my mental health issues and um, just dealing with that and not just realizing, like, it's it's okay. It's just an issue. Get help. Move on. Or learn to live with it. What's helped you to make that transition to this isn't something I have to be ashamed of or deny to myself or other people? Talking about it, I think, for sure. Um, not only with um, just friends or co-patients, or, um, but therapists as well. Um, and just being reassured time and time again, and then time and time again, that uh, it's okay, right? That I'm not, you know, there's a possibility that I could kill my family, but it, you know, the likelihood of that happening, like probably isn't going to happen. Um, and I think just, you know, instead of fighting against it, learning to accept it, um, that that's just a part of me. It doesn't define me, um, and, and things like that. And just getting educated, I think, um, about what it is, what it looks like and, and how to, um, manage or tolerate it. I think that's where your book comes in to some extent. Um, I have had the good fortune to be able to read it. Uh, you are willing to share that. And um, there are a couple of things that I really love about it. One is that the graphic novel format is so unique. Um, I haven't seen another book like that on uh, eating disorders in particular or mental health generally. And it feels very accessible to people. Like it's not... Um, 200 pages crammed full of words, right? Like it, it seems like it's, sorry for the pun, but like in good bite-sized pieces. Um, and that maybe um, because it is so accessible, it will educate people about what the whole experience was like and also provide an opportunity for people to talk about it. Was that your hope with the book? Yeah, um I just remember um, being an inpatient treatment, um, but then also subsequently talking to other people who struggle with different types of mental health issues, just about concentration levels and um, the inability and frustration of not being able to read when that's something that you used to, to love. Um, and so that was definitely one um, reason that we did it in the graphic novel format. Also, um, the idea of storytelling um, as opposed to just writing a novel I think is really um, important and unique um, as well as the expression through art can be very therapeutic and um, it can dis describe emotions or 
you know, pictures in the background that you can't necessarily capture with words. And I, um, so it's very holistic, I feel, um, and encompassing of a variety of aspects of just recovery, even how it's written. I have to say that um, you're not the one illustrating it. Um, and and yet your illustrator like really does capture in some of the pictures the emotional tone of what you're saying. And as you said, it, it even adds to things, right? So some things that aren't there as part of the text still come through um, in the pictures. How do you think she has been able to, to capture all of that when it wasn't her experience or her story? Um, so a few things. I... Um... I took her around to different important um, people or places that I wanted her to get kind of a, a first-hand glimpse or, or understanding of what it looked like. Um, but also emotionally, um, she is my sister-in-law as well. So um, I think that that's helped her be able to know my personality and um, and just how I, you know, have moods and what that looks like physically. Um but also lots of talking. So even though the text was all written, um, we get together and we spend time talking about how we want the different panels to look like, um, you know, what we want to, what the words exactly to be and um, what kind of things we want to have in the background to be able to explain the words through pictures. Karen, I think it just speaks to how open you are that you would be willing to take her around and introduce her to important people or spend so much time, you know, talking in great detail about your experience. And that's really part of what I'm hoping to promote with this show, the idea that uh, mental illness isn't something to be kept secret or hidden or something that you can't talk about because it's so shameful. And I love the fact that you've done that. Um, you haven't just done that, though, in your personal life, like with your sister-in-law, but also professionally. Um, and maybe we could talk about that for a minute. That issue of uh, therapist self-disclosure is a little bit of a controversial one. Um, and you and I actually see that differently. I tend to do less self-disclosure, you feel comfortable in putting a book out there, doing an interview like this, um, and you're talking about having some really positive experiences with clients when you do self-disclose. Um, and I can certainly see and admire immensely how much that might reduce the shame for a client sitting across from someone going, oh, you're not judging me, like you've been in my shoes too. I can see how that would be tremendously therapeutic. Um, how did you make the decision to do that, to, you know, even now, to put out the book and expose yourself, not selectively, but really to anybody who chooses to read it or to do an interview like this where you're not choosing the listeners, it's anyone who chooses to listen? I think, um, so before I um, got into this profession and was a student, I was very much involved in um, different public speaking opportunities, um, some that are on video and things like that. And so um, with today's technology and, and the internet and things like that, um, it's not hard to find. So I think that there was that piece playing um, behind reasons for self-disclosure. Um, you know, if they want to find it, they're going to find it, right? So... Um, but also in general, like, I think probably this is just a part of who I am and it's part of my personality. Um, everything I say is still used therapeutically. It's not just for the sake of talking about myself. Um, I guess I just, 
as I've moved from, you know, um, being a client on the other side of the couch and then now being a therapist, the issues are still the same. People still aren't talking. And so um, that's a huge motivator, I think, for sure. And really, your journey has not just been from client to therapist. It actually was from, you know, someone who was trying to deny it because you weren't you weren't really receptive in the beginning to acknowledging that uh, you were struggling, um, weren't necessarily open with other people. So your journey actually began before that, just with coming around to acknowledging to yourself and the people closest to you, I do have a struggle. Um, and then working through that as a client, continuing to work through that as a therapist, just as you said, as a human being. I want to go back for a minute because I think all of this ties into what you're doing with this book. Um, what's your greatest hope for this book? You know, if, if you're able to, you're, you're doing a self-publication. Um, and so what's your greatest hope for this book once it's out there? Um, I like to dream big. So, um, I don't know, like just, you know, if it's as, if it's just one of those books that people refer to, right? Like, oh, like here's a within, like it's a good book to just help people. But even if it doesn't even get that far and, you know, we get a hundred copies out there and one of those people don't feel, um, that they, you know, they can identify and they know that they're not alone and they go and get help. Awesome. Like really it's not. Um, it's not about getting big, but it's also making meaning from my story, which I think uh, we've done so awesome. And I think if it helps one person, great. And anything else above that, I think is just bonus and extra. Um, can you tell people if, if they're interested, um, how they might find out more about Within? Sure. So they can go to withincomic.wordpress.com. Um, that's a blog for the book. So, um, there's different things. Um, the whole chapter is actually up on there. Um, there's a link to Kickstarter if that's something, um, they felt that they wanted to do or pledge or back our, um, project over the next 10 days. Um, there, there's a link there that they could check that out. Um, there's a link also to Emily's blog and then my own blog as well. Um, that are all, again, all connected and just trying to get the word out there and pass the word on, right? Um, it's not something we're trying to keep under a bush. So, I'm happy to help spread that word and uh, hope that people will, in fact, go check it out and make a donation so that this book becomes a reality. Um, maybe we'll leave it just with this, Karen. If, if there are people listening who want to know how to help or support somebody who is struggling with a mental illness um, and how to help them feel less ashamed of what they struggle with. Do you have any advice for someone in that position rather than the person struggling, but the, the person, the family member, the friend who wants to help? I think a lot of times family members or friends feel like they failed or they haven't, they've done something wrong themselves and that's why their loved one is struggling and um, maybe just not jump to that conclusion um, and just, you know, look at, look at it as for what it is and deal with all the other details of it afterwards. Um, whether it's, you know, um, going to the local health, mental health center and just looking for resources or going online to credible sources online, um, um, could be helpful. Just getting educated again, talking to family, to friends about what's going on, um, and your perspective of it. Cause that's going to be um, unique and different and and just as much as um, your loved one needs support as would you, um, and that's okay. 
Um, no matter how much your loved one says it's not okay, it is okay. Um, yeah, just getting educated, taking care of yourself, um, talking, um, and looking at your own issues as well, I think is, uh, is really important. I think that last point is a really important one because um, that's also a way of modeling that it's not shameful, right? If um, if you are the family member or a friend of someone and you struggle with anxiety too, being able to say that, like, yeah, I kind of know what that's like, and um, as opposed to being defensive or resisting that, um, which people sometimes do if they feel to blame or if they feel afraid of how to help. And really, I think that's one more way that your book can help, uh, not only to the person who's suffering, but that um, if family members or friends take a look, they really might understand the illness better and they might understand the mindset better um, and be in a much better position to help, not, not feel powerless or helpless to be able to do something for this person they care about. So really, in every way, I just think this book is um, a fabulous contribution, um, not only to uh, the field of eating disorders and OCD, but just generally around um, really understanding what it's like to um, have the experience of your brain working a little bit differently than other people's. And uh, really, I just think you've done a beautiful job of conveying all of that. So congratulations on that. Well, that's my interview with Karen McGratton, who is a therapist and also an author of a uh, soon-to-be self-published graphic novel called Within. When you have a minute, I would strongly encourage you to go take a look at Within Comic. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-C-O-M-I-C, Within Comic dot wordpress.com she has the first chapter up there and has links also to her blog and the blog of her illustrator emily mcgratton and also a link to uh, their kickstarter site for those of you who aren't familiar kickstarter is a way to uh, raise funds for projects that otherwise might not have enough funding and this is certainly a worthy one um, so if you feel so moved to uh, go and help her out, there's a link to do that as well. But um, even just to take a look at the chapter and hopefully be inspired and motivated by that, as um, it really is uh, a pretty impressive piece that Karen and Emily have put together. I want to thank Karen for being willing to talk with me today, not only about her book, but also um, about the mental illnesses that have been a part of her life. OCD and eating disorders, sorry, obsessive compulsive disorder and eating disorders um, are both actually quite common uh, mental illnesses in North America. And um, I think contrary to what some people think, um, it's really quite possible to uh, recover from these illnesses or to learn to live with them in a way that they don't interfere with your life. If you met Karen in person, I think part of what you'd notice right away is what an incredibly vibrant and positive and successful uh, woman she is. Um, really doesn't fit the stereotype that some people hold that mental illness wrecks your life 
or leaves you sitting on the couch all day. I think those stereotypes and those myths uh, need to be seen for exactly what they are. And Karen really embodies that. So um, a big thanks to her for being willing to share her story today. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts or comments about the show or any suggestions you have for topics you'd like me to cover on upcoming shows. Please send those to my email at openminds at cfru.ca. That's openminds with an S at cfru.ca. Uh, my usual tiny disclaimer before I go that I probably won't be able to respond to most emails, um, but I will definitely read them. So thanks for sending. And I definitely won't respond to any emails that are asking for help or advice with a specific mental health problem. For those, I want to strongly encourage you to put aside your fear of stigma and see your doctor, go to your nearest emergency room or call your local crisis hotline. I'm Candy McNeil. Thank you so much for listening, and please join me next week for another illuminating interview here on Open Minds.